If you would do me a favor and open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're starting a new sermon series. Maybe next summer we'll continue on in the book of Psalm. Psalms, excuse me. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 to 10 or 7 to 10. Let's start at 6. And then we'll make our way to 10. But um, the purpose of today's sermon, we're just going to focus on uh, two verses, is 7 and 8. The reason why we're going to read um, um, 6 and then read all the way to 10 to kind of give us an idea of what, what's, what's happening here. So um, this is Paul writing. Don't be fooled by the title of the book. It's First Timothy, meaning there's a second Timothy. Um, this is not Timothy. I didn't write this. Um, but this is Paul writing to Timothy. Um, he's writing to a young pastor um, in Ephesus, and he has some instruction for him. So I will read um, the passage, and then we will, I'll introduce some introductory comments, and then we'll jump into the passage. First um, Timothy chapter 4, we'll start in verse 6, work our way to 10. If you don't have a Bible, with you this morning. You could take the Bible in the pew back in front of you. That is our gift to you. Here we study the Bible. We read the Bible. We live out the Bible. And you can turn to page 992. Starting in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will, ha- you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. That's the focus of our um, sermon today is train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Over the next several weeks, we're going to focus our attention on the practical exercises or habits that we can implement every day in our lives that will help us be the kind of people that God wants us to be so we can help transform the places and spaces that God calls us to be in. So the sermon series um, is titled Transforming Presence, and we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines or habits practices that you and I can implement every single day to see God's transforming presence in our life and in the world around us. And the reason why I've titled this transforming presence is because I am convinced that despite how bad the world is, right? Everyone can agree that the world we live in isn't a good world, right? Right? Like their sin is run is running rampant. Uh, there is a lot of chaos and disorder, um, things, right? I often hear people say, like, things are not what they used to be. <laughs> but I am convinced that despite 
how bad you think and I think that the world is. God is working and doing supernatural, radical things in our life and in our world. Do you believe that? Like God is moving. God is active. God is transforming us and the people around us, our church, this world, right? He, he's moving despite all the bad things, right? We tend to just focus on the really bad things in this world. And it's like, yes. See, I, I'm, the guy, I'm the guy who looks at a glass um, half full, right? Like, I'm just like, Ugh. where's the other half, right? Like, I'm naturally pessimistic. So when I look at the world, I'm like, oh my gosh, can it get worse? And then next day, you're like, oh gosh, it did get worse, right? And then the next day, you're like, can it get worse? And you're like, oh gosh, like, it is bad, right? But I think, I think the important part is to, to see and realize that God is working and I think the, the problem is that oftentimes, and um, I, I love Billy Graham and his ministry, but I think, um, I think oftentimes the reason why we, we often think that the world is bad and we can't see God moving and God working our lives is because we look at big events, the massive crusades, the big revivals, right? Like we're looking for the numbers. We're looking for the 10,000 people who got saved, right? We're looking for the 2,000 people who came to Harvest Blast and we're looking like, oh my gosh, like we gotta add another search. We're looking for the big numbers, the big events. We're looking for God's big handprint in the world and, and that tells us, oh, God's moving, God's active, God's working. And the truth is, that's not how God actually works, Right? I mean, the, the big rave recently was the Asbury Revival. Remember that? Asbury College? There was a big revival, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is going to be the third great awakening. People are going to get saved. America's coming back to Jesus. What happened? It died out. And now I'm not saying that that revival was bad. I'm just saying that God often works in your life and in my life, in everyday, ordinary moments, in the mundane. That's where God is doing his most work. It's not the crusade that we started. It's not having the Southern Gospel group come in and sing a great song and everybody is cheering and then they do an altar call and then people get saved. No, no. God is moving and God is active in our world and he's often regularly active moving, transforming, changing our life, your life, the world in everyday, ordinary times when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're going to your, your group on Sunday morning, you're going to your home group. It's the women's Bible study that he's working in. It's the visitation to the hospital for the, for the friend that's sick. It's, it's the discipleship. It's the having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with your coworker and your boss about the gospel. It's encouraging your neighbor to stay strong when the marriage is broken. It's, it's attending CF or it's, it's being part of a small group at Campus Focus. It's attending church regularly every week, day, week after week after week. Like That's where God is working. But the problem is that we're looking for the big the big event, the big number. God is working in our prayer moment, right? Like working in our hearts and minds. God is transforming us, 
changing us. When we're singing the song, when we open up our hearts and minds to sing the lyrics on the screen, not to be consumed about what's happening, about the program, about the lighting, about the sound, how loud it is, how, how, how quiet it is, or the type of song, or the style, and the genre, and who's here. Not. Like, that's not where God's working, but he's working when we open our hearts, open our minds, lift up our hands, or when we're kneeling down in prayer. God is working. God is moving. So this series, we're going to spend several weeks going through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, practices, habits that you and I, if we stay committed, we're going to see God transform us and we're going to see God transform our world. So that leads me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing, like I said before, to Timothy. He's a young pastor in the church of Ephesus, and Timothy needs encouragement. He needs instruction, and he needs equip, to be equipped to lead a congregation. And in this congregation, he's a young pastor, and there's false teaching in the church. There's also influences of the world around the church. And, you know, in those days, it wasn't just one church. They had these house churches that met all around the city. And, and, and that was the church of Ephesus, right? So they all had issues. They all had problems. And Timothy needs help. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's, and he's telling him, hey, listen. I'm going to help you combat false teachings in the church, but I'm also going to help you organize, right? Um, second Tim um, first Timothy chapter two and three, he's telling them how to organize the church, how to get leaders, the quality of leaders, right? Deacons and elders. And then in chapter four, he comes to encourage him one more time to defend the faith, to stay strong in the faith. And he tells Timothy, hey, listen, the, the way you're going to combat the false doctrine and the false teachings within the church, right? The way you're going to combat the influences of the world around you is through training yourself for godliness. The way you and I, look at me. The way you and I are going to be able to combat the false teachings in the church, not this church because we teach the Bible here. Um, amen. Thank you. The way you and I are going to combat the false teachings of the, of within the church, the big C church, right? The prosperity gospel, the health and wealth, the, you know, moral therapeuticism, right? Like, like God is a good God and he wants you to be good and the only thing God requires you to be good, right? The, the, that we're not going to talk about sin, we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit because, oh, we're scared of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about Jesus, but we won't talk about the Holy Spirit because, oof, things happen. The way you and I are going to combat the false teachings and the influences of the world is by you and I being committed every single day to practice these habits. That's what's going to happen. You want to protect yourself and your children from the influences of the world and false doctrine that they may fall prey to is by praying, fasting, reading scripture, 
devoting your time and energy to teaching them and training them up in the gospel. One of the problems that we have in our church here is that parents think that they can come to church, give their kids up to the family ministry so that the family ministry can disciple them, and then when they get home, they don't crack the Bible open. We have fathers who don't want to discipline their kids in the way of the Lord. So then guess what happens? They come to the high school and they think, hey, listen, the high school guy is going to help them get saved. They have issues and problems. And guess what happens? They graduate high school. They know nothing about God. They want nothing to know God. Why? Because the world has been training them since the day that they were born. You know, one of the reasons why the Roman Catholic Church started schools way back when? Do you want to know why the Roman Catholic Church started schools? One, because at that time decades ago, Roman Catholic Church was booming in America. But they thought and believed that if we get the kids when they're young, they're never going to leave the church when they get older. So what did they do? They planted schools right next to the parishes. And they put a priest over the school, right? That's what happened in New York City. I went to an elementary school or I went to a middle school. My parents took me out of public school because it was crazy. I mean, getting jumped, getting into fights, you know, the classes were 40 kids in a, in a space that only 15 kids can fit in, put parking trailers in the, in the lot. My parents were like, no, you're getting out. So what they do, they went across the street, put me in the Catholic school that was right next to the church. That's what the Catholic church did. We're going to plant schools where there's, a, where there's a Catholic church because they believe that if you get the kids when they're young, they'll never leave the church. You want to see your children grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want your children to be committed to God's word so that when they graduate and not be influenced by the culture of this world, then you, parent, you, father, have to discipline them in the knowledge of our Lord so that they will grow to, to love Jesus and love his word. But if you decide to take a back seat and then give them to the church and think that you and not me, our preschool ministry, our elementary ministry, our high school and middle school ministry, our college ministry is going to save your kid, is going to discipline them in the knowledge of the Lord, you have another thing coming. If you are committed to the word of God, prayer, fasting, reading it, studying it, living it out, if you are committed to memorizing scripture, if you are committed to being part of a small group in our church, if you are committed to being part of a home group or being part of our Bible classes, right? One of the issues that we had was like our midweek classes. Are people gonna come? And I said, no, we're gonna teach God's word here. If they don't come, that's on them, right? Because here's the problem in our world. The church has a big problem too. Suburban people have a problem, is distraction. The soccer is more important, football is more important, the hanging out, going here, going there, like we are distracted. We are distracted in our culture. And the reason why we're distracted, because the enemy knows, hey, listen, if I can distract the Christians, right? If I can get them to be thinking about and doing the other things and not doing the godly things, not training themselves up in godliness, if I can get them to be distracted by the soccer and the football and the track and the basketball and the travel ball and the baseball here, fall baseball there, right? Gymnastics, and I can get them to do all those things. 
and I can get them to like, oh, it's too late to come to church. I'm sick, my tummy hurts. If I can get them to be distracted by making money, bigger house, bigger car, doing this, doing that, traveling here, going here, if I can get them distracted, then I know, right? I know that they're not gonna be committed to training themselves in godliness. Sorry, I went off a little bit. But I'm really passionate because you know why? You know one thing I noticed in the last three years? That our church and all the churches after COVID, everybody got afraid of COVID and then our churches got empty. And now we're all living in fear. So on top of that, not only are we a distracted nation of people, we're also fearful. And we're we're afraid of the future. We're afraid of our politics. We're afraid of what's going to happen in the future. And God is saying, hey, listen, if you stay committed to me, open up the book, read it, study it, be a part of what God is doing, then you're going to see our world transform. But the problem is our church, meaning the Big C Church, we want to stay silent. We don't want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to study God's word. We don't. We... We have no desire to be in. We want God to move. God, I want you to save my kid, but we do not want to wait and and have fervent prayer in our lives. We'll pray the five-minute prayer, but we don't want to stay in prayer. We we want our kids, we want ourselves to grow in the knowledge of of the Lord, but but we got to do a a, a five-minute devotion in the morning because I got to go to work. I got to come back home after work, and then, you know, we got to watch Netflix. So I... I can't do this. And then there are the other people in our church, right? They're concerned about everything that's happening in our church, but not concerned about whether or not, whether or not our church is moving closer to Jesus. They're concerned about how loud the music is, how low the music is. They're concerned about the type of music we sing, the type of music we don't sing. They're worried about the time. They're worried about the light. They're worried about, we don't do this. We don't do that. We don't go do this. We don't do that. 20 years ago, we used to do this. 20 years ago, we used to do that. Not all concerned about everything else that's happening and not concerned about seeing the transformational power of God in our church. And the reason why, don't clap, don't clap, don't clap, because I'm going off. The reason why we don't see a transformational power in our church and the pews are empty because we've decided as a church, we're more worried about our preferences. We're more worried about what we want. We're going to complain about this and that. Our world is dying and going to hell. And you're worried about whether or not I'm wearing a suit on Sunday morning. I've told people before. The day you will see me in a suit would be at my funeral. <laughs> or if you happen to be at a funeral that I'm overseeing or a wedding. But, but I say that in love. You know, I say it with, very, with much passion, but I say it in love. You know why? Because I know we're on the clock. This is the fourth quarter. We don't got time to play. The world is getting worse. I'm telling you, it's getting bad. But if you want to see God move, like we often pray, God, change our government, change our world. You know how he's going to do it? You know when he's going to do it? When you and I are committed to every single day doing the small mundane tasks that drive you crazy. God, if you're committed to reading the word, studying it, making it, who are you talking to about Jesus? Who are, 
who are you reading the Bible with? When are you memorizing scripture? When are you training your mind and your heart to delight in the Lord? Right? The beautiful psalm that talks about delight in the Lord. He will give the desires of your heart. Like, that's a spiritual discipline of delighting in the Lord. It's, it's training your mind and your heart to stir its affections towards Jesus Christ and to submit to his will that you will find joy and contentment in what God has given you and what God has not given you. And when you find joy and contentment in what God has given you and not given you, then your heart and your mind will find joy and peace in the place and places and spaces that God has put you in. So Paul tells Timothy, train yourself in godliness. So what is the value of you and I spending time in prayer? What is the value of you and I being in community, whether a group that meets on Sunday, whether a group that meets the week, and next week I'm going to go off on you too because there are too many people who think that this church is a gas station. They come here to pump their gas for about an hour and five minutes, and then the rest of the, the sixth day of the week, they do nothing. They don't want to be known. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to go through life with other people because other people have hurt me and I am a victim. That's not how God designed the church to be. He designed us to be in community, to live in community. That when someone dies, we mourn and grieve together. When someone gets married and has a child, we celebrate. When someone has a miscarriage, we grieve with them. When there are problems and issues, we do it together in the church, in the group. And the reason why we have groups here, because we're too big of a church. All of you can't come to my house. You will wreck it. But we have home groups. We have ABFs that meet so that you can do life together and study God's word. You should not be doing life alone. And the problem that we had with COVID is that our, our world told us that it is good to be alone and by yourself for the safety of other people. And yet this church had to do eight funerals for people who committed suicide. And everybody's worried about their health. And I know we, 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 we want to be healthy and we want to live a long life. But let me tell you something. I'm ready to go. I don't know what life you're trying to hold on to. I'm ready to go. If I go, I go. I'm going with Jesus. I have one life to live for him now. So, Paul says to Timothy, train yourself. Look at the end of verse 7. Rather, train yourself for godliness. What is the point of all the spiritual disciplines? So I'm not going to go through all the disciplines today. I'm giving you an overview, right? I had to get this out. You guys are good? I had to get it out. Because I want a church to be known. A church that prays. A church that reads, studies God's word. A church that's committed to evangelism and discipleship. We're done playing games. We've been twiddling our, dumbs, our thumbs for three years. I hope you're ready because we're going to be driving 90 miles an hour. So what's the point that, that, that Timothy, uh, what's the point that Paul is trying to make here when he tells Timothy, rather train yourself for godliness for a while, bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Spiritual disciplines shape us into godly people. And what 
Paul is telling Timothy here is that you need to shape your life, your mind, your heart. Everything you do needs to be shaped by godliness. And you must do the things that help you shape to be the, the person that God has called you to be to see the transformational power of God through his spirit in the spaces and places that he has called you to be. So God called Timothy to be in Ephesus to combat the, the false doctrine within the church and the influence of the world. And Paul says, he's called you to be there. You are to lead that congregation. But the way you keep yourself focused, the way you keep yourself in alignment is by training yourself for godliness. And I'm saying is the way you train yourself for godliness is by committed, devoted to exercising your heart, exercising your mind, exercising your actions towards the things of God that puts you in alignment with God's will, that puts you in alignment with God's word, that puts you in alignment with the church, that puts you in alignment with other people in this world. And then when you do those things, you will see God's transforming power in our world. Many people pray for revival, and this is how revival happens. When you and I are committed to doing the small little tasks every day that are painful, because I don't want to wake up in the morning to pray. I don't want to wake up in the morning to read my Bible. I got 20 things to do. But I have to. Because if I don't, I can't. I can't be godly. So, so my one sentence, it's taken a long time, is that godliness is the goal and transformation is the outcome. That's my one sentence to you in spiritual disciplines. You want to practice spiritual disciplines? This is what happens. The goal of, 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 of practicing these habits over the next couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about, the goal is godliness, meaning, meaning that your heart, your mind, and your actions are done in a way that glorifies God in alignment with his will, in alignment with scripture, that your life looks more like Jesus and less like yourself. And what's the outcome? The outcome is transformation. For who? You. For who? Me. For who? Our community, our children, our world, our society. That's the outcome. I love what Paul talks about um, in this section. In the, in the very beginning, between 6 and 7, he talks to Timothy and says, he tells him um, in a really good way, he says, um, to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine. I love that idea of being a good servant because you and I are on a mission. You and I are on a, a plan. And the plan is that you and I will glorify God, make his name known in our life and the lives of our loved ones and in the world. That is our objective. That is our goal. And to do that, we have to take the posture of humility. We have to take the posture of being a servant. And what is a good servant? A servant is the one who does the will of their master who don't have their own agenda, who don't have their own plan, who, who does the plan of the master or the owner. And, and Paul says, Timothy, you're, 
you're a good servant of Jesus Christ. And he shows them how to be a good servant, right? He, he says it at the very beginning. He says, to be a good servant, you're trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine. What does that mean? It means that you stay committed to what's in God's word. You stay committed to studying God's word. You stay committed to doing and living out God's word. And then he says, be also trained in good doctrine. That means believing the right things and doing the right things that are explained in scripture. So, do you want to be a good servant? Do you want to see God move in your life, in the life of your loved ones? Be committed to being trained. I love the illustration, too, of exercise. How many of you hate to exercise? Raise your hand. You don't have to. Okay, but some did. Um, yeah, there's some people who hate to exercise. There's some people who like to exercise but are really bad at exercising. There are people who exercise and actually get nothing accomplished. I'm one of them, right? Like, it's like, I go to the gym, I'm like, why do I look the same? It's because I stuffed my face with that burger um, right before and had the milkshake afterwards and then convinced myself it's protein. So um, I, like to, I, like to, I like to keep active. My thing is racquetball. I haven't played in a long time. I picked up pickleball, um, but I haven't played that this summer. And then I like to do the hike thing and I like to go to the gym. I like to just, I like to work out. I, I know it doesn't look like I do, but I do, okay? Don't, you don't need to judge me in your mind. I've judged myself every day when I look myself in the mirror and said, what is going on, right? Like, so, so the, Paul uses this idea of exercise. And, and the idea is, is applicable to us too, right? Like, if you want to lose weight or you want to be fit, if you want the six-pack, you got to work out the abs. If you want the guns, you got to work out the guns. But it's going to take what? Dedication, hard work, and you got to do it every single day or you got to get on the rhythm. There are two people in our church. Um, they're not here in this service, but they'll be in the next service um, who are... Um, novice bodybuilders. They, they just do it as a competition, right? Um, it's like people who like to ride a bike, people who like to do something. They like to bodybuild because it's a competition for them. They, they like to do something um, with their mind and their body. Now, here's what I've observed when I've gone to their, their meets or whatever you call the thing and, and watch them work out, is they have to stay regimented Every single day, they have to do the same thing every single day and whatever their coach says to do. They have to eat the certain amount of food every single day. They have to eat a quality of food every single day in preparation for what? The show. And their body will fluctuate throughout the year. Their coach might say, you have to gain muscle, you have to gain weight, or you have to cut, cut cut, cut, but they have to stay regimented, dedicated every single day. Why? Because they have an objective, to win. If you and I are going to win the battle of fighting off temptation, fighting sin in our world, if you and I are going to fight to to restore what has been broken by the power of the Spirit, you and I are going to have to exercise and work out every single day. And I'm not talking about getting on that treadmill for 45 minutes. 
are doing P90X. What you and I are going, have, going to do is to be regimented, dedicated, and devoted to spending time with God in disciplines so that you and I can fight the temptation of sin. And check this out. In the context of 1 Timothy, be able to withstand against the influences of false doctrine. The reason why so many people in the church, not this church, the big C church, fall prey to false doctrine is because they do not read the Bible themselves. They allow somebody else to read it for them. They're not committed to studying it. They're not committed in growing in it. They're not committed to prayer and fasting and being community. They're, they, they're, they're allowing other people to influence them. So if you and I want to see the transforming presence of God in our world, we're going to have to be committed to spiritual disciplines. And one of those disciplines is our prayer. Next Sunday, we're going to have, I think it's next Sunday, right? Next Sunday, Sunday night, we're going to spend an hour and 15 minutes in prayer. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be new. But the reason why we're going to do it is because we want to discipline ourselves in communicating with God, asking him to do what we cannot do in our life, in the life of our loved ones, and in the life of our world. And we're going to say, we're not going to stop asking until you do it. Whether you do it now or you do it in the next generation. But you're going to do it because you are faithful and you said you were going to do it. We're not here to pray things that are not in the Bible. We're here to ask God, please God, do what we cannot do. So one of those disciplines, we're going to do it together. We're going to pray. And like I said, it's going to be weird and awkward because we've never done it before. But over time... What are we doing? We're training ourselves, what? In godliness. Training ourselves to communicate to God. We're training our children. And we'll have childcare where they're going to be praying too. But we're going to show our children, we're going to show our family that we as a family unit are dedicated to talking to the creator and sustainer of the universe who has made us in his image and who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we can serve people who don't know him. And that they could know the light in which has brought us out. So we'll do that on Sunday. Sunday night. Yeah, there might be a football game on TV during that time. Record it. The Browns are going to lose anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I hope you're laughing because you're agreeing because I'm a Giants fan, for those of you who don't know. I'm not from Ohio. You're welcome. Here's a couple of things to caution us, and I'll end with this. Our flesh, our flesh does not desire to do what Paul is telling Timothy to do, to train yourself for godliness. You know why? Because sin and our flesh and the enemy does not want us to be godly. Our flesh has no desire to do what God wants us to do. Our flesh wants us to do what we want to do. Our flesh is spiritually weak. And we have to conform our flesh to submit to the will of the Father, to the will of God, to the commandments of Scripture, so that we can conform ourselves into 
the image of God. And I love that Paul says to Timothy that when you train yourself up for godliness, the benefit of training yourself up for godliness is that it has transforming power now and in the future. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he actually says. He says that in verse eight, for the bodily training of, for the, while bodily training is of some value, meaning he's not saying it's bad value. He's saying that it's temporary. It's only for now. We're gonna get a glorified body when we go to heaven. We're gonna get the six pack. The knees are not gonna hurt. I mean, I'm telling you, that, the best plastic surgery you'll ever have in your life. But, but he's saying that the lasting thing that we're going to do is transformative now and also it affects our future because we're going to be doing those things, meaning we're going to worship and lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to see God move. So my question for you this morning, how would you rank your spiritual walk with God? Like if you had to rank your spiritual walk, meaning like, like if you were to say the things that, that bring you closer to Jesus through the word, prayer, community, generosity, giving of your resource, giving of your time, like finding contentment, finding joy, delighting in the Lord, finding rest. Like, like if you had to rank all those things, how would you rank them from one to 10? Is it low or is it high? I would venture to say it's probably high and for the, the best of us are probably mid. And you're like, yeah, it's a 10. You're lying. I know for me, this goes up and down. Have you become stagnant in your worship and your affections towards Jesus? Are, are you stagnant in like when we sing the songs, you're just singing it, but they're not really doing anything for you. Is your prayer life just like at best a three? Is your your godly conversation and evangelism and discipleship among people, is it like a one or a two? My encouragement for you this morning, listen, it's okay. God is gracious and God is kind. God does not chastise us because we do these things poorly. He actually encourages us to do them well. Not perfectly. If you're here to think, oh, I gotta do this perfectly. I gotta do this at a certain amount of time with a certain quality. No, God is not looking for perfection. His son is perfect. Remember that. What he's looking for is faithfulness. Dedication, time and time again. And when you fail, you get back up and you do it again. Over the next several weeks, we are going to talk about the things that are going to train us up in godliness. Do you want to be a better servant? Do you, do you want to be a better Christian? You're already saved. If you're a Christian, you're already saved. But do you want to be better? Joining me in the next several weeks to talk about these things, to see your life transform and the life around us. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are just. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us train for godliness. That you would help us be more like Jesus and less like ourselves. God, I even ask right now, that the people in this room would, would have a passion, oh Lord, to pray, to fast, would have a passion to read their word, study the word, commit it to memory, that they would have a desire to be part of a group, to live in community with each other. God, that they would have a passion and a desire
to worship you in song, but also with their lives, to be generous with their time, their resources. God, that, that truly that they would find rest in you. God, all the things that make us a better Christian. God, would you help us do this even now? We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.